Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35, and then through J.C. Rao's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what he said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. We have seen in these verses the history of one whose name is nowhere else mentioned in the New Testament, a righteous and devout man named Simeon. We know nothing of his life before or after the time when Christ was born. We are only told that he came by the Spirit into the temple when the child Jesus was brought there by his mother and that he took him up in his arms and blessed God in words which are now well known all over the world. We see, in the case of Simeon, how God has a believing people even in the worst places and in the darkest times. Religion was at a very low ebb in Israel when Christ was born. The faith of Abraham was spoiled by the doctrines of Pharisees and Sadducees. The fine gold had become deplorably dim. But yet, even then, we find in the midst of Jerusalem a man righteous and devout, a man upon whom is the Holy Spirit. It is a cheering thought that God never leaves himself entirely without a witness. Small as his believing church may sometimes be, the gates of hell shall never completely prevail against it. The true church may be driven into the wilderness and be a scattered little flock, but it never dies. There was a lot in Sodom, and an Obadiah in Ahab's household, a Daniel in Babylon, and a Jeremiah in Zedekiah's court. And in the last days of the Jewish church, when its iniquity was almost full, there were godly people, like Simeon, even in Jerusalem. True Christians in every age should remember this and take comfort. It is a truth which they are apt to forget, and in consequence to give way to despondency. I am left alone, said Elijah, and they seek my life to take it away. But God answered him, Yet have I reserved 7,000 in Israel. 1 Kings 19, 14, and 18. Let us learn to be more hopeful. Let us believe that grace can live and flourish even in the most unfavorable circumstances. There are more Simeons in the world than we suppose. We see in the song of Simeon how completely a believer can be delivered from the fear of death. Lord, says old Simeon, now let your servant depart in peace. He speaks like one of whom the grave has lost its terrors and the world its charms. 
He desires to be released from the miseries of this pilgrim state of existence and to be allowed to go home. He is willing to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. He speaks as one who knows where he is going when he departs this life and cares not how soon he goes. The change with him will be changed for the better, and he desires that his change may come. What is it that can enable a mortal man to use such language as this? What can deliver us from that fear of death which so many are in bondage? What can take the sting of death away? There is but one answer to such questions. Nothing but strong faith can do it. Faith laying firm hold on an unseen Savior. Faith resting on the promises of an unseen God. Faith and only faith can enable a man to look death in the face and say, I depart in peace. It is not enough to be weary of pain and sickness and ready to submit to anything for the sake of a hopeful change. It is not enough to feel indifferent to the world when we have no more strength to mingle in its business or enjoy its pleasures. We must have something more than this if we desire to depart in real peace. We must have faith like old Simeon's, even that faith which is the gift of God. Without such faith, we may die quietly, and there may seem no bands in our death. Psalm 73, verse 4. But, dying without such faith, we shall never find ourselves at home when we wake up in another world. We see, furthermore, in the Song of Simeon, what clear views of Christ's work and office some Jewish believers attained even before the gospel was preached. We find this good old man speaking of Jesus as the salvation which God has prepared and a light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. Well would it have been for the letter-learned scribes and Pharisees of Simeon's time if they had sat at his feet and listened to his word. Christ was indeed a light to enlighten the Gentiles. Without him they were sunk in gross darkness and superstition. They knew not the way of life. They worshipped in the works of their own hands. Their wisest philosophers were utterly ignorant in spiritual things. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1.22 The gospel of Christ was like sunrise to Greece and Rome and the whole heathen world. The light which it let in on men's minds on the subject of religion was as great as the change from night to day. Christ was indeed the glory of Israel. The descendant of Abraham, the covenants, the promises, the law of Moses, the divinely ordered temple service, all these were mighty privileges. But all were as nothing compared to the mighty fact that out of Israel was born the Savior of the world. This was to be the highest honor of the Jewish nation, that the mother of Christ was a Jewish woman, and that the blood of one who made the seed of David according to the flesh was to make atonement for the sin of mankind. Romans 1.3. The words of old Simeon, let us remember, will yet receive a fuller accomplishment. The light which he saw by faith, as he held the child Jesus in his arms, shall yet shine so brightly that all the nations of the Gentile world shall see it. The glory of that Jesus whom Israel crucified shall one day be revealed so clearly to the scattered Jews that they shall look on him whom they pierced and repent and be converted. The day shall come when the veil shall be taken from the heart of Israel, and all shall glory in the Lord. Isaiah 45:25. For that day let us wait and watch and pray. If Christ be the light and glory of our souls, that day cannot come too soon.
We see, lastly, in this passage, a striking account of the results which would follow when Jesus Christ and his gospel came into the world. Every word of old Simeon on this subject deserves private meditation. The whole forms a prophecy which is being daily fulfilled. Christ was to be a sign spoken against. He was to be a mark of all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He was to be despised and rejected of men. He and his people were to be a city set upon a hill, assailed on every side and hated by all sorts of enemies. And so it proved. Men who agreed in nothing else have agreed in hating Christ. From the very first, thousands have been persecutors and unbelievers. Christ was to be the occasion of the fall of many in Israel. He was to be the stone of stumbling and rock of offense to many proud and self-righteous Jews who would reject him and perish in their sins. And so it proved. To multitudes among them, Christ crucified was a stumbling block, and his gospel, the fragrance of death. 1 Corinthians one twenty three and 2 Corinthians 2.16 Christ was to be the occasion of rising again to many in Israel. He was to prove the Savior of many who, at one time, rejected, blasphemed, and reviled him, but afterwards repented and believed. And so it proved. When the thousands who crucified him repented, and Saul, who persecuted him, was converted, there was nothing less than a rising again from the dead. Christ was to be the occasion of the thoughts of many hearts being revealed. His gospel was to bring to light the real characters of many people, the enmity to God of some, the inward weariness and, and hunger of others, would be discovered by the preaching of the cross. It would show what men really were, and so it proved. The Acts of the Apostles in almost every chapter bear testimony that this is As in every other item of his prophecy, old Simeon spoke truth. And now, what do we think of Christ? This is the question that ought to occupy our minds. What thoughts does he call forth in our hearts? This is the inquiry which ought to receive our attention. Are we for him or are we against him? Do we love him or do we neglect him? Do we stumble at his doctrine Or do we find it life from the dead? Let us never rest until these questions are satisfactorily answered. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, In the darkness of the times we live, do we tend toward discouragement, thinking that those who love God are few? Or, in faith, are we filled with hope that grace can flourish even in the most unfavorable of circumstances? Second, Ryle is very discerning here. Do we long for heaven only when we are sick and want a better change, or when we no longer have the strength to enjoy the world? True faith desires heaven when we are well, and like Moses, have access to the pleasures of Egypt. Do we have this faith? Third, Simeon, through the scriptures and by the Spirit, understood that Christ was a light to the Gentiles and glory to Israel. Yet there is a day coming when all shall see the glory of the Lord. Do we long for that day? And lastly, to ask Ryle's questions, are we for Christ, or are we against him? Do we love him, or do we neglect him? Do we stumble at his doctrine, 
or do we find it life from the dead?